Welcome to Dugout Dish Podcast. I'm Andy Kirikides, joined by my co-host, Keith Glasser. Keith, how we doing? Great. How are you? Good. We got a good one today, I think. We might ruffle some feathers, but there's been a lot of back and forth in the old Twitterverse, and you see people tweeting and complaining and making 140-character statements that deserve more nuance. So we're going we're gonna to try to talk about something that seems to be at the tip of everybody's tongue and either... And most of the time, people complain that they hate it, but I think it's important to frame it up. Is we're gonna talk about the transfer portal, and we're gonna talk about kind of pre-portal and portal, post-portal recruiting, how it's changed, how it's still similar, and kind of shed some light on some of the things that me and you've talked about recently. So, get us started, big fella. Yeah, um, where do you start? You know, I, I, I've 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 seen a lot of things on the in the Twitterverse, um, a, a lot of just kind of blanket statements of like, you know, the portal is the worst. Um, it's ruining college sports or college baseball. Um, you know, it's college coaches don't do their due diligence anymore. You know, apparently college coaches are just showing up to random games and just offering scholarship money on the spot to everybody, which is then leading people into the portal. Um, you know, I, I think that there's a, a lot more obviously that goes into this, uh, much like anything else, um, in this baseball world. But the, the one thing I think that, that really drives me nuts. And, and you know, I, 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 tweeted this out the other day, um, you know, wh- like when I was in college and, and briefly after when I, I was in college and when, when I was coaching division one and two baseball, and we had guys on scholarship money, um, and you'll hear this, uh, uh, across the board at a lot of different things that. You know, there was no portal in the early 2000s. You know, I I believe, and I don't, you know, people will probably fact check me on this, but I believe there was free transfers up until like 2003, four-ish. You were in college at that point in time. But I remember my freshman year being like the last year that you could kind of transfer without sitting a year when you transferred. Um, we're obviously back to that, that rule now, um, when the, the NCAA instituted a rule where when you transferred, you had to sit out a year, you're going to have to redshirt. Um, the only way you didn't is if you went from division two to division one, or excuse me, division one to division two or division three or two to three you, going down, you didn't have to sit going up. You did, or one to one, you had to sit. Um, you know, and, and I think, uh, uh, you know, coaches did not, you know, not miss, back then, right? Like they were recruiting guys that weren't necessarily going to fit into their vision as a program. Um, they weren't going to be good enough. You had coaching changes and guys came in they didn't want the, you know, they didn't want to keep them. What they used to do by and large was try to make a, a kid's life miserable to get them to quit and give their money back so that they could transfer them out. Now, wait, you're telling me that coaches used to miss on players this isn't a new thing with the transfer portal no it's not um unfortunately it's not something new this is something that has been going on forever i think one of the rises in the belief that this is you know a brand new thing is that you know places where we played like marist when i coached sienna you know a lot of mid-major schools when if you get scholarship money like the school or the athletic department kind of makes that a four-year commitment even though the NCA, you know, may renews it every year, you know, so it, a lot of times it's like, well, you missed like too bad. That's on you. You know, now you, if you miss like that kid can jump in the portal, you can get the money back back then you only got your money back if the kid quit and left school. So coaches would just legitimately try to make kids lives miserable so that they would quit and give their scholarship money back. And then they can go use it elsewhere. Well, so, important that, distinction here is, and you hit it, but I think for the listeners, they had to leave school. It's not just quitting the team. If they quit the team and stayed at the school, they were still on the books. Correct. Scholarship perspective. Correct. So, you know, I, I, you, can't, you can't argue with me that this is not a better system that, that aids the kid in that if the coaches mess up, like, instead of making your life miserable, we can have an honest conversation about, hey, don't think it's going to work out here. 
you should jump in the portal and we'll like we'll help you get to another school where you can potentially be successful because it's not going to be here. Now, that obviously is put on the kid like he can make the decision, but like he's also going to know if I stay here I'm never going to play baseball. They're likely going to cut me and it is what it is. You know, and, and sometimes you might have to live with that as a coach that your scholarship money is going to be racked up with that kid for, you know, however long he's there. But like the, the the protection for the kid is better. Now, does this rule get abused? Absolutely it does. Like anything else. There's a ton of schools out there that have 40, 50 guys, 55 guys on their roster in the fall because there is no limit in the fall. You don't have to have a 35 or now 40 until the day you play game one. So you can have you can bring in 55 guys in the fall. Like, what are those 15 guys right now doing? Come springtime, they're not going to be on the team. They're going to be in the transfer portal because they're they're going to get cut. So, like, they're, they're like, does it get abused? Sure, like anything else, it will. But by and large, it's it's used in a way. And where I really feel bad are the mid majors. And I've said this before. Like, you know, if I was still at RPI and I had a business major who was really good, I would be a tad bit hesitant to send him to a summer program because if he goes and blows up like there's a good chance that he's gonna leave you know but that that's the reality in what the world that we live in right now with the transfer portal like those are the things I, I i you know sure i can get a little bit on board with it like i still think it's good for the kid to go compete all summer long and play against really good competition but on the same hand like you can't just sit there and make blanket statements like oh this is the worst thing this is ruining sport like this isn't every sport right now like and it's, it's the kids are like, they can opt into more competition. I think Traz said that like, Hey, you're opting into more competition. Like we're looking for people who want to compete, you know? So like you can opt into that you, you have to know the risk going in. You might get cut, maybe back in the portal. You might not, you know, you might not make it to the place you want to go to. You know, but I feel bad for the mid majors that, you know, kind of become a little bit of a springboard, you know, and, and but at the same time, you know, I think it like it's a tad bit better for the kids in this regard. Instead of making a 19-year-old life miserable to get their money back, hey, it's not going to work out. You know, and on the same hand, it, it, it's there's some decision making that goes in there. You know, additionally pulling this thread, there's some decision making that goes into there where if you know you're just getting offered a spot to try out, and you know you have an extended tryout in the fall, like you have to know going in that you know it's a coin flip that you make the team, and if you do. Like you might be guy 39 on a 40 man roster. You might not play. You're going to probably going to be told that in your exit interview in the fall. Like, Hey, these are all the things you got to work on to even like get remotely close to being in the lineup. And you might like that. You might not. So you, that could lend you to jumping in the portal because why well, I, I tried it. Yeah. I made the team, but I'm never going to play where, you know, maybe going after the division two or the division three route out of high school and you're, playing significant and high leverage innings early in your career doesn't lead you into the portal. You know, so there, there's a lot of nuance to this conversation and I, you know, it drives me nuts to just to, to, to see these blanket statements that this is the worst thing that's ever happened. And I, I, I just, I don't, I don't believe it. I don't buy into that. And it's just like, it's my stance. It's a, people probably aren't going to agree with me, but it's not, I don't think it's a, like, it's up for debate obviously, but it's, you can't tell me it's not better for kids to not have their lives miserable to try to get their scholarship money back because coaches missed on how good they actually were. Cause it still happens. Yeah, it does. Here, here's the other thing. It's not even the other thing, but let me, let me try to foot some. God, I love the energy you're bringing right now. Keith fired up, fired up, but I work listen, today. I, I'm, I'm ready to rock and roll. Got that construction in me today. <laughs> People need to take a step back when they talk about this stuff and recognize that transferring happened long before the transfer portal like kids transferring from school to school isn't new every single recruiting class at almost every single school at some point loses players if you bring in 10 guys there's a really slim chance that all 10 guys of the 10 of those guys make it through to graduation. They either quit because they can't handle college baseball or they transfer because they're not playing or the school wasn't the right fit. Like let's let's get that out of the way first. That this isn't new. The difference is and why 
from a college baseball perspective, right? And we can get into the high school recruiting portion of this. And I have some p- potentially abrasive stances on that, but from a college kid's perspective, it's way better. If you get to a place and you go, shoot, this isn't what I expected. And you could transfer for a, a bunch of different reasons. You could transfer because you're not, you don't see any chance for playing time. You could transfer because you decided I want to go a certain route with a major and this school doesn't have it. You could transfer because you're homesick. You could transfer for whatever reason. There's a long list of reasons. It's not just this, the standard story in college baseball is that if a kid goes into the portal, that he's soft and he doesn't want to compete. And it's like, no, there's a lot of reasons that the decision you make as a 17 year old isn't a perfect fit. So you're giving these kids a free out, which if you argue, if your stance is that 18 year olds shouldn't be given a second chance to make a better decision, I have an issue with how you view the world. Because most kids, especially ones who don't have good people in their corner and aren't asking them challenging questions and aren't forcing them to think about what they want their whole experience to be. If they haven't been given all that information, I guarantee you, even with that information, at some point when they are on that campus their freshman year, they are thinking to themselves, what the hell did I do? They're going to have a tough day at practice and coach is going to get in their ass about something. And it's never happened to them before because they've always been the best player and they're not going to know what to do. If a kid truly is set on, this is not the place for me. Why wouldn't you want them to have the ability to move to another place? Because I think that that's the point that doesn't get talked about with the transfer portal. The easiest thing for people to do is say, Kids leave programs because they don't play enough and kids blow up as freshmen and they bail on the coaches who developed them and gave them an opportunity. Like that's the easy conversation, right? Like that's the 140 character tweet or X or whatever. I don't know. What do we even call them anymore? But that's the easy way out. It's the easy way out around this conversation just to assume that that's the case. Is that real? Yes. But the kid who shows up to name whatever SEC school or you know, Sunbelt school or whatever, and gets there and goes, oh, shoot, I'm never going to play. I actually want to play. Maybe I should go somewhere where I'm going to have a better opportunity to play. What is wrong with that? What is wrong with that? The thing that everyone wants to talk about the first time, go where you're wanted, go to do this stuff. Like you could feel like you're wanted at that first place and you get there and like, it could be a completely different but these same people speak out of the side of their mouths. They're telling kids, go where you want and go where you want it. And then they complain. And then they, then they throw shade at these kids who go into the transfer portal because they're not playing. It's like, well, that kid didn't listen to the conversation the first time around. And he got there and went, holy crap. I'm like, this isn't for me. I need to go somewhere else if I want to develop or if I want to compete. There's nothing wrong with that. And to be honest with you, if you're the mid-major school that's losing kids to the higher level, like, I'm not a fan of it because I think that that was one thing that was cool 15 years ago is that kids could blow up at a school like Ameris. Like I'll, th- I'll throw a name out there. Anthony Buccino who hit like mm-hmm. 445 for his career. It was, I think he was an eighth round pick with the pirates in today's game. That dude bounces and he's hitting in the middle of an sec lineup. So there's a cool element back then that was like, Hey, you go somewhere, you're there for three years and then you leave. Right. You can you can have a long-winded conversation around that. But I also don't think that you should take the opportunity away from a kid to bounce up to the SEC or the ACC where they're going to freaking pay him legitimate money to go play. Like, how stupid would you feel if you turned down $250,000 to go play at Mississippi State or Ole Miss or Arkansas? How can you get mad at a kid for making that decision? This legitimate life changing like, money for an 18 year old. And people get all butthurt about this. And it's it's like they're losing sight of the kids and they're just they're just shitting on the system instead of recognizing that a lot of this in some ways has actually empowered the athlete. Where before, to your point, if you didn't like it, it was either shut up and take it or give me your money back 
and go somewhere else. Now kids actually have an option. They can they can correct a decision that they made that may not have been the good one. And yeah, does it add complexities to the recruiting process for high school kids? Yeah, it does. It does. But at the same time, if you're the parent or the kid who's sitting there blaming the transfer portal because you're not getting recruited, you're probably just looking something you're looking for something to blame. Because last I checked, almost every single college program is still bringing in seven to ten high school kids. Right. They, well, they're they're so going. The fringe, the fringe guy or the guy who isn't good enough or the guy who thinks he's good enough but isn't getting recruited by any Division One schools, they're the ones who blame the transfer portal for why they're not getting recruited. And do schools recruit out of the transfer portal? Do they maybe save some money to go in and get an arm or go get a position player? Yes, that is real. But if you are good enough, if you're a guy that the the coaching world believes is a really good player, the transfer portal is not going to impact you. No. And if you're And if you think it's impacting you, you need to take a step back and reassess, but then you also need to really consider what are you trying to get out of the experience? Because the people who complain about the transfer portal are the same people who take a walk-on offer when they could have gone somewhere where they were guaranteed a really good shot, and they'll be the ones in the portal praising it later. That it was great because I got an option. Like you can't speak out of both sides of your mouth here. You got to recognize the reality of the situation. And honestly assess what's the path forward from a high school perspective. But the idea that transfers and people getting cut and coaches pulling offers late in the recruiting cycle, like this is not new. It is not new. It's just publicized. And it's publicized by people who generally have no idea what they're talking about. And because they heard a story from a guy who heard a story, who heard a guy who heard a story, and they freaking tweet about it. And then it turns into a spiral. And you get down to it, and it's like, yeah, a coach did what he had to do because a kid that he recruited probably didn't get good enough, and he had to make a really tough decision. College coaches don't pull offers because they feel good about it. Like Nobody wants to do that. But sometimes you have to look at your job. You have to look at your program and go, you know what? I have to make a really hard decision. Like that coach isn't, you know, he's not cheersing after he gets off the phone when he has to tell a kid, hey, man, I got to pull your money. Like coaches lose sleep over that shit. They're not happy about it. Um, and I think that's something that the people who have never done this, right, and have no clue what it's like to wear a college uniform or have your life, your your well-being and your family's well-being be based on winning baseball games <laughs> and just to sit there and tweet about so-and-so pulled an offer, the transfer portal sucks, like you – you have no right to speak like that because you've never been there and you don't know what it's like to be a coach to sit in an office with a kid and have to look him in the face and say, Hey man, I love you to death, but it ain't going to work out here. That is, those are tear jerking moments as a coach because most of the time a kid you have to tell it to is a kid that you really like. Mm-hmm. And for people who have no experience in it, dads, name whatever other group of people that think they have any idea what goes on, until you've sat across a play, you sat across a desk from a player, been in the room when you've had to look them in the face and tell them, hey, man, it ain't going to work here. You have no place to talk about pulling offers or players getting cut because you've never have to, you've never had to do it. No, I, I, they they haven't, and it, it's not a. You know, I, I, you, you know, you have all these people who wanna who wanna hit the boards, and, and let everyone know what they think, um, you know. But the the reality is, like, in, unless you've legitimately had to do it, and it, it's not anything new. Like, this is not something new where you know, kids' offers have been pulled, blah 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 blah. Like it, this is going on for a very long time. Um, it's just now with the way that the world works, like everyone knows relatively quickly um, and on a broader scale, you know, but it's not something like, it's not something that is, if somebody's offer does get pulled prior to, 
like generally speaking, it's probably going to be because of something went wrong or, you know, to your point, and you're right. Like I've said this on here a thousand times, college coaches get paid to win baseball games, right? Like your job and likely you're have a family, like your job is to, to win college baseball games. And if you made a mistake, and this is back to the, the, the first part of this, when I, I got on my soapbox, is it better to let the kid know prior to getting to campus that he's not going to be good enough to, to make it and you're going to eventually cut him anyways so that maybe he doesn't get in the transfer portal? Or let him come to campus, not be the person that you want him to be or player that he is, and then tell him three weeks into the fall in October, like, hey, man, it's not going to work out, jump in the portal. Like what's, what's worse? Honestly, like I, I, I would, I would ask yourself what's worse because a lot of people would be like, well, why didn't they just tell them beforehand? Well, because you hammer everybody. I'm doing it beforehand. They brought them in. They knew it wasn't going to work. They tell them to get in the portal. Like here's an option. Do it beforehand. Yeah. It's just, and to, to quote Peter Griffin here, it uh, it really grinds my gears when no, but, but you're right. Like you're not wrong. Like and that like and to your point, like when you've never done it, like you don't see both sides of it. Like you just see the side of like, well, they these people are pulling offers. Like yo, people have been uh, they've been having offers pulled for years. This is literally nothing new. It, it, and it's not something that is just a willy-nilly decision where people are like, oh, my God, we're going to pull this off for now. Like, no, that's not what goes into it. Usually, it's going to be something like, well, you know, the kid screwed up, did something he probably shouldn't have done, and they pull the offer. Other times, it might be like, you know, back in the day, you know, before the – I should I say back in the day, like it was a long time ago. Like until the rule change in April of this year, like you could you could commit kids who were freshmen in high school. Those kids stay committed, and then by the time they're juniors, seniors, like they haven't gotten any better. Like they're not a Division One player at that like at that level. They're not an SEC player. They're not an ACC player. Yeah. So if now, you're an ACC, so what do you do? Guy, what are you supposed to do? That's my point. Like what? Let like, that kid show up on campus right. to cut him a year later? Not Is even. That you're going to cut him in the fall. You're going to tell yeah. him in the fall, like, hey, jump in the portal. So what's the like? What's worse for the kid? Like, yeah, the timing of it might not be the best, but what's better? Let the kid come to campus and then tell him in October that, yo, it's not going to work out, dude. Like, jump in the portal. Or tell him in September where the kid might have the opportunity to go to a JUCO or another school that has an opportunity for him where the kid can actually have a better opportunity to, A, play, get better, and, and have a good college experience. Because what happens when you, when, you get, when you set foot on campus and you get cut in October, like, your college experience is not great. You're gonna go. To, you're gonna walk in in like October, November, and be like, okay, like I just met a bunch of people, and like I'm not gonna make friends with anyone because I'm leaving in three months, like two months. I'm out of here. See ya. And then you're gonna be mad at everyone when the the you know my personal feeling is like it would be better if you just if you knew earlier. Like sure, maybe they should have told you in April or May or June, but they wanted to make sure. Like it's a business, unfortunately, like, and that's people lose sight of this. Like this is a business. And you add in NIL and all this other stuff, it is a business. These coaches have to win games. Otherwise, they get fired and lose their jobs. It's a business. Like it or not. Yeah, here. Think about this. If you're – name whatever SEC head coach, right? You're making a million dollars a year. That's great. You made a million dollars. If you got fired today, a million dollars ain't enough for you to get to the rest of your life. You need a freaking job. Like I know it sounds like it's a lot of money. But those guys where the pressure to win is so high and the the amount of rope that those coaches have for their freaking jobs, their livelihood is way shorter than people realize. Like you coach at a school like Ole Miss or Mississippi State and you got you have two bad years like freaking adios baby like that's how it works and when the pressure is that high sometimes you have to make really hard decisions 
I can guarantee you that Mike Bianco doesn't want to have to dump anybody ever or cut anybody ever. But you have to make tough decisions. It's just like if you're the CEO of a company or you're somebody's boss, sometimes you have to tell somebody that they're not good enough. And for to your point, like if I'm a high school kid, I would much rather find out in August going into my senior year than get to campus and the coach have no intention of me being a part of it just to tell me after the fall, like, hey, man, you got to go. I'd rather scramble for two months trying to find a good home than have no options. Because here's what happens when you get to campus and you get told to go into the portal you follow your freshman year. You got no track record. You've done nothing at the college level. So now you're the high school guy who got cut. So that's an immediate red flag, whether people want to recognize it or not. But the first thought that's going to go through a lot of coaches' minds is, if he wasn't even good enough to make that team, how good is this kid? So now you're in the portal and now you're trying to convince people that you're good enough. Right? You're still a recruitable player going into your senior year. I know it's not perfect. We're not talking about perfect situations. The whole black and white, this is right and this is wrong, binary shit that we try to deal with all the time. Like These are nuanced conversations and you can't understand the complexity of it until you start to talk about it. But like, it's not this super simple. Like if you dump a kid, that kid, you've totally screwed that kid. Actually, you need to take a step back and maybe you did that kid a favor. Maybe not a favor, but maybe you actually did right by that kid by telling them, hey man, it ain't going to work here. Yes. But the, but the agree. easy, the easy thing is to, is to mother after the coach Mother F the program and mother F the person who made the decision. And all of a sudden that guy's a scumbag. He, he, he pulled an offer from a kid or they're recruiting out of the transfer portal. These guys don't do their due diligence. They just go into the portal. Don't do their due. Like get out of here with that crap. Like coaches are taking advantage of a tool that allows them to find good players. It's that simple. Yeah, I, you it'd know, be I, like going. It'd be like going fishing, and having the magic lure in your tackle box and not using it out of out of out of principle. Like I'm not gonna catch. I'm not gonna catch big fish today, because, gosh darn it, I shouldn't have access to this. Well, everybody has access to it. Everybody's gonna use it. So until they get rid of the one year transfer exemption, people need to stop bitching about it, and start understanding how schools are operating and how you can make better decisions as a high school player so that you don't run into it because you might get to a place and things might go good and you might get burned by the transfer portal while you're there because they bring in somebody who takes your spot. Well, you're, you're dead on. And I think that the, it's the easy way out to not necessarily recognize what is going on in the past and how this, you know, more or less does mutually benefit everyone involved. Like, is it going to be abused? Yeah. I already said that. Like I'll admit to that, but I think the positives far outweigh the, the negatives. And I think the other thing that a lot of people forget and, and you don't necessarily think of it this way, but I, I always thought about it this way and, and not in a negative, but when you're a college coach at, at, at any level and, and at, in any sport, doesn't matter what you're coaching, your livelihood depends on 18 to 22 year old kids. Now, I for one can readily admit, I did not always make the best decisions as a college student. Like, I'll admit it. I know that. They used to always tell my guys, like, you can't really pull the wool over my eyes. Like, I'm not that old. Like, I did a lot of the same stuff. Like, I'm not an idiot. And and I I feel like the further you get away from college, people are like, well, we would have never did that. We didn't do that. Like, yes, you did. 
you, you made stupid decisions when you were growing up in college. Like that's what happens. But at the end of the day, like put yourselves in college coaches shoes. Like, would you want your job, whatever job it is that you do right now, would you like your job to depend on 18 to 22 year olds? Because the overwhelming answer from most people, I think, would be like, no, that doesn't seem like it would be a great thing. Right. So if you have somebody that you don't think is going to actually help your program and help you and help your job, which is what it is that you have, like, why would you not make that decision prior to? If you know that this isn't going to work out now, it's one thing if they get there and, it, you know, if you go through the whole year and it just like it. You think it was going to happen. It doesn't happen. It's like, hey, like, we're going to go in a different direction just because we don't think this is going to work out. It happens in every walk of life and like whatever. But if you know going into it, like, hey, th- we know this isn't going to work out. Like, wh- what's so bad about that? I know that it's not ideal. I know that it's not the most awesome thing that's going to happen. But it, from a from a big picture standpoint, it's better for the kid to be able to go figure out a way moving forward. And it's better for the program that they don't have to have those types of conversations and potential issues. Like there could be issues that come from this if you get to campus. So why, like, why even deal with it? Let's just get rid of it now and move on. I, I, I don't, you know, I don't think it happens nearly as much as people think that it does. I just think that you're seeing a snapshot of it and it goes on social media and people see it and they get all mad about it and blah, 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 blah. Like it's been going on for years. Yeah. And let's, let's, let's be clear that this isn't something that is like rampant across college baseball, like pulling offers. This it's not rampant. Does it happen? Yes. But it's not like every single program is making decisions three days before the signing period going at ah, pulling that kid's offer. Let's, Let's see how bad we can screw this kid. No, right. that's not how it works. Sometimes you got to make tough decisions. And I can promise you that none of those kids, none of the coaches who do that or have done it have they don't make those decisions lightly. Like those are really, really hard decisions that you have to make. And the other thing, too, sometimes you don't know the circumstances behind it. That's the other thing. Until you know the full story, like don't judge. Maybe the kid, maybe the kid did something bad. Maybe the kid got in trouble and the coach said, Hey man, like you can't do that. Maybe the kid found, maybe they found out that the kid got an F in something and he's not admissible anymore. That's a real thing. It's happened. Maybe mom, maybe mom and dad decided that they couldn't do it financially. And it wasn't that they, they caught the kid. It was that they let him go because it was, it was a mutual decision. Like you just, you never know the full story. So to just throw stuff out, and just cast blame on everybody like it i guess what we're saying with this is don't take the easy way out when talking about these things because until you've actually been in that room until you've actually done that work you don't understand the nuance and the complexity of it and just take into consideration that not every decision that looks bad on the surface was made with bad intentions sometimes you have to do hard things and it is what it is. Like, well, and here's that's, the other thing. This is the other thing. This is the other thing that drives me nuts about Twitter or X, whatever we're calling it nowadays. It, it is the the anonymous the anonymous reporting of I heard of a school that pulled scholarship money, and then in all the comments, who who we got to out these people who, and no one ever says anything. Well, it's not one of my guys. I heard like. I don't know, and this is I I this is what I consider this to be. Have you ever played the game telephone where somebody says something to you and you pass it around in a circle until Great game pretty you? comical at the end? How many times does that game of telephone end with you in the same exact sentence that you started with? Because it's zero. And that's what this is. It's a giant game of telephone where everything gets convoluted and everyone gets mad and everyone gets all upset and no one actually knows the truth because it's, it's literally by the time it gets tweeted out, it's probably the eighth person who's heard it. Like, what are we doing? (laughs) 
it, it's a, it's just a giant game of telephone. Like we have, Twitter we, at this point is people tweeting things so that they can cause a ruckus or hitting guys tweeting videos of Jordan Alvarez telling kids you should do this. Right. <laughs> yeah. I would, love, oil I would love if every left-handed hitter that played for me could, could hit like Jordan Alvarez. Do like, what he does. If you could do like if you could do what he does, you'd be really good. Yeah, thanks. Like, I'll never forget this. I, I digress for a second. I had a kid when I was coaching in West Alabama come in. He changed his swing for like the 15th time that spring. And he was like, I was watching. This is 2009. He comes in. And he was like, I was watching BJ Upton last night. And I was like, dude, no. Like, BJ Upton is your age. He's playing in the big leagues. We're not going to change our swing to match BJ Upton's. Not going to happen right now. Like, what, what world am I living in? That the guy who's the same age as you playing in the big leagues, you're like, I watched him. I'm going to do that. Like, no, we're not going to do that. Gosh. Yeah. 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 Digress for. <laughs> uh, we could do a podcast on that for sure. Um, I do want to add a couple things about the portal from like a pure high school recruiting perspective because. Kind of got a little heated about it, but it's true. Like if you're using the, the transfer portal as an excuse for why you're not getting recruited to a certain level, you you really need to take a look in the mirror and assess where you're at, right? Because if the whole coaching world – because most guys get seen by a lot of guys they don't even know they get seen by. Like if you're – if the whole coaching world views you through a certain lens, you can't blame everybody else, Right. Right. If everybody's telling you that you do this and you do that well and you don't do this well, well, or vice versa, however you want to frame it. But if the information you're getting is telling you one thing and you disregard it, but coaches and people close to you are telling you the same thing and you want to just say that everybody's wrong, you're not going to put yourself in an advantageous situation when it comes to the recruiting portion of this. Right. So does the transfer portal impact high school kids? To a certain extent, yes. If you're really good and you're a money guy at the division one level, I can promise you the transfer portal ain't hurting you. Right. If you're a fringy dude, you're probably going to have trouble playing on one of those programs anyways. So maybe the better opportunity is to find somewhere where you're wanted and find somewhere where you have a chance to figure out how good of a player you can be. It stops worrying so much about the division and using other things as an excuse. The other portion of it is. There's a ton of information out there to help you handle the portal, right? Mm -hmm. It's not hard to find out which college programs are doing most of their recruiting out of the transfer portal. And there's two pieces to that. And this, I'm not throwing shade on anybody, but here are the two things you need to think about with a school that might bring in, because and I'm not throwing out crazy numbers, but you're talking guys who may have brought in 15 or 16 transfers could be junior college, which is, we consider that to be a part of the portal, but. If a school's bringing in 15, 16 transfers every year, it's telling you one of two things. Either they really like to bring in bigger, faster, stronger guys who are more equipped to help them right now, or they got a lot of guys leaving the program and they need to backfill. So that's a red flag in itself. So, but that information's out there. So if you if you want to make a decision with the portal in mind, the biggest thing you can do is really self-assess where you're at. And if you want to avoid complications with the portal, it's not hard to find programs that don't go into the portal for large amounts of kids. I think every program should be in the portal. You should be looking for kids who can help your program get better. Whether you bring in 10, 12, 15, three, that's up to the coach and staff in the program. But there's some programs who are just looking for pieces. Like, hey, we we had a guy get drafted a year earlier or a kid got hurt and he's not going to be able to come back and pitch next year. We need to get in another arms, you know, like there's decisions that get made behind closed doors with that kind of stuff in mind. But there's also schools that go in and be like, Hey, we need, we got to bring in 17 new guys. If you're a high school kid, I'm not saying you have to, cause everything's a meritocracy. How you do when you get there will determine how much you play. But if you're seeing that year after year, a particular program is bringing in 15 to 17 transfers. 
and you worry about opportunity, you may want to look somewhere else and use that information to your benefit. Yeah, the the you, you hit the nail on the head. The you know, the, it, it goes both ways too. Like you know, and I I'll add even you know to it with with some of the COVID stuff as well. Like there might be a, a, a an exodus of guys that are fifth and sixth year guys that are leaving where all of a sudden that class becomes a little bit bigger and it might be a little bit easier to dip in the portal and, and backfill some of those guys outside of the mass exodus. But, you know, I, I think that there's, you know, it, it, it's, you would be doing your program in yourself a disservice and not exploring those options that are out there. It's no different than, you know, trying to get as many, contacts as you can from the high school standpoint to get guys in you know you, you're you're trying to put together the best possible team that you can you know and some teams might go exclusively portal some kids some teams might be a mix some might not really get a lot you know and a lot of it depends on on the type of school the academics of the school what's going on there there's a lot of other factors that go into it so to, so to, to make blanket statements that like everybody's in the portal and everyone's recruiting out of it like it's not necessarily that true. I mean, we talk to a lot of guys. I know a lot of coaches that aren't doing a whole hell of a lot in the transfer portal. And it's just, it, it depends on a lot of different factors. It's not just, you know, the, the, what you see on social media of, of people who just make these statements of, you know, they're, this is what coaches are doing. Like some sure, but you know, there's a lot of baseball programs out there that aren't, doing a whole hell of a lot with it, you know? So it's, it's, you have to understand what, what type of school it is, what type of program it is, and you can figure it out. You can go to the rosters and look, literally it's on the internet. You can Google the roster of whatever school, and you can go through and see every kid, every school he's been at leading up to them. It might just be a high school. It might be a junior college. It might be another four-year school. But you right can figure out and it's college. Right. You can look, but you can figure that out by looking at the roster. But the problem, like, and the problem is that takes time. It takes energy and effort to do. But you can figure it out based off the schools. Like you narrow your list down, you look like you can go and look and be like, not a lot of transfer guys in there. Probably going after majority high school guys. A lot of transfers in there. A lot of JUCO guys. JUCO school recruiting heavy. Like a lot of four-year guys, like you can figure that out by looking at the roster. It's not, it, the information is readily available to go look at and you can figure that out pretty quickly. Here's the other thing to think. And this is, this guy goes back to just assuming that every, assuming the worst of everybody. Right. And I think that that's a, a, a tough thing. Like it, it, same thing as getting mad at an 18 year old because he made a decision that he didn't get right. You know, but if you ask any college coach, if you're like, hey, you got a 40-man roster, you can recruit 10 kids every year, and they're all going to stay for four years, and they're all going to be exactly what you thought they would be, everybody would sign up because nobody wants to deal with the up and down. Nobody wants to deal with having to move personalities around. Nobody wants to deal with injuries or kids that leave the program for reasons that you couldn't have possibly predicted, right? Like nobody wants instability. But no. you can't expect these guys. That's the other thing is like when you're running a program or you're involved in a program is that there's all kinds of stuff that happens on a daily basis that impacts how you move forward with every single kid. The fact of the matter is, is that some kids just get there and they can't. It's not that they're not talented enough. It's just they they can't function well enough in in a college setting to be successful. Some kids get there and are intimidated by it, like. There's a million different reasons why to think that college coaches who might only see a kid play six or eight times, maybe if you're really bearing down on a kid and usually don't get to see him this many times, maybe you see him 10 times then you have 10 phone conversations, right? It's a pretty good sample size. You still miss on kids because you don't know how they're going to react until they get there, right? It's that simple. If the amount of information and the amount of data made a difference, the NFL and the Major League Baseball drafts wouldn't be what they are. 
you wouldn't have the amount of rounds that you have in the Major League Baseball draft because you'd get all of them right. It's the same thing when you're recruiting. The idea that guys aren't going to miss on guys and guys aren't going to be good, it's not the coach's fault all the time. Yeah, like sometimes you miss on a kid. It happens. Like not everybody's perfect, but this idea that things are perfect and that the coaches should have no ability to adjust to it, that's another side of this as well. Yeah, this is their job. I mean, Bill Belichick's probably the greatest coach in NFL history, and he sucks at drafting guys. Yeah, yeah. I said it, Pats fans. I said it, Pats fans. But but like, it's just it's an inexact science. It's an inexact science. It's the same reason that the kid. It's the same reason that Jared Washburn pitches for freaking University of Wisconsin Wabash or whatever, and throws in a World Series. Nobody predicted that because if everybody. When that kid was 17 years old, he's not a kid. That guy was 17 years old. If they knew that his future was that he was going to pitch in a World Series, every Division One school would have offered that guy. You know, like what about the um? Ooh, his name escapes Jacob me. Jacob right Degrom was a shortstop at Stetson. Played against him. Uh, coached against him. Didn't play against. But him. like these are like, but these are the shortstop throwing nitro. Nitro. Damn it! You know, it, it's just not that straightforward. If everybody had a crystal ball and so knew uh, that certain yeah. guys were going to be a certain way. Oh, it's like, it, it would be like saying that you knew the, the, um, the left-handed reliever through nitro. He's right-handed, but through left-handed. Went to Furman, where Petey went. Billy Wagner? Billy Wagner. Like saying Super that you Billy Wagner was going to be a, you knew that he was going to be a, a, a big leaguer. He pitched a division three high school coach in Virginia. Wow, I mean, he's unbelievable. By all accounts, like the nicest human on the planet. I'm, I'm sure he is. I'm not. I'm yeah. not questioning his his how good of a person he is. I'm just, I'm I'm just throwing that out there. I, I, I don't I, think coming out of high school, people thought that he would be an unbelievable flame throwing left hander. Yeah. He was right handed. And pitched at Furman College, like I or university. Uh, can you, Furman can you imagine the crystal ball needed to see that? Yeah, come on. Yeah, or, or you think Evan Longoria goes to junior college two years before he goes down as one of the best third basemen of his generation? Like, pretty sure Long Beach State would have loved to have had him on campus for his first two years of college. Like, yeah, these are I, the things that. Yeah, I mean they're 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 all out there. The amount of guys that 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 you miss on that you, I mean, and and look, like you know, I've I've mentioned, I just mentioned Dan Pelina. I've mentioned before, like he wasn't originally committed to Siena. He was committed to another school, and it didn't work out pre going to school because he heard he was committed as a pitcher and hurt his arm. He ended up at Siena, drafted in the ninth round. Hit 60 home runs in three years. Like it's, it happens. It happened in 2008 or seven, whenever he was a high, he was a senior in high school. Like to my point, it, this has happened for a long time. And it just like, it, it, it was better for him to quote unquote be, be decommitted by that school to let him go to another school where he ended up being a position player and had a phenomenal career and got drafted. Cause that doesn't happen if he stays at the school he was originally committed to. Yeah. And I mean, to kind of put a bow on this, like there's no one size fits all solution to this. And I think that's what we're driving at. And I think one of the things that you could probably tell through our voices is the, the, the frustration that this gets boiled down to black and white, good and bad and, you know, good and evil. And this is the worst thing ever. And it's more nuanced than that. And one, one use case doesn't define the whole system. Uh, you know, it, it's important to think about the bigger picture here and, and understand it from a coach's perspective, understand it from a logistical perspective, understand it from an evaluation perspective. Like there's so many layers to the conversation. 
and we could talk about this for longer. I'm sure we'll come up with stuff tomorrow and be like, shoot, we should have said that. But the fact of the matter is, is that the portal is here. It's a real thing. Kids have been transferring forever. They now have an out so that they can right or wrong or, or switch situations to something that might be better for them. And, you know, at the end of the day, like if you're a high school player, like recognize that it's a part of the process and make decisions knowing that it exists, right? Like it's not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. Nope. It'll probably, watch. It'll probably get turned over like this fall, but, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it, it doesn't seem, it doesn't seem like it's going anywhere. And yeah, I know it pisses a lot of people off, but if you really just take a step back and you look at it as an opportunity for an 18 year old to potentially do something better for themselves, I think it really helps you frame the transfer portal a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Nailed it. Nailed All right. It. You got anything else? No, I got my, I told you at the start, I was on my construction worker energy today i got it all out good good i like it um i forgot that i had on uh the family biz eagle shoe and boot company for those of you listening who've made it this far after our ranting um you can say we have you can find them at 154 main street (laughs) great barrington massachusetts for all your uh shoe repair and outdoor footwear needs uh say hi to mike and barb they're great people Yeah. All right. Well, listen, for those of you who are listening, don't be mad at us. If we said something that you disagree with, we're happy to talk about it more. That's what we're here for. We like talking about this stuff because one, it's fun and I get to talk with Keith. And two, there's a lot of stuff to peel through here and a lot of different topics that need to be covered. This is one of them. Thank you for listening. What do they got to do to the YouTube button, Coach? Smash it, throttle it, hit it, whatever. Go ahead and follow. Tell your friends. Um, Apple, Spotify, if you're listening, go ahead and hit the subscribe button. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at EMD Baseball. And if you are interested in how we help families using our coaching experience, uh, navigate the recruiting process, go to emdbaseball.com. We will catch up with you next week. Thanks, everybody.